John 13, 1-15 Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should, you also should do just as I have done to you. Uh, before we launch off into today's message, let's bow our heads in prayer and ask the Lord to grant us illumination. Gracious Father, we look to you for light because there is often darkness in our hearts and in our minds and we don't see as we ought to. But we thank you for the promise of your Holy Spirit that leads us into the truth and brings illumination so that we would be able to see what you want us to see. And much of what you have to say is so counterintuitive that we really need to depend on you so this evening, we humble our hearts and make them low before you, and we say, uh, speak, Lord, for your servants are listening, and indeed give us ears to listen, uh, to digest, uh, to have these words transform our hearts and our imagination, and may we do as you call us to do in this text, that is to wash people's feet all the days of our life. Uh, with a sense of great privilege and joy, uh, because surely when we do that, uh, there is joy and pleasure. Help us to see that, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, this is one of the, my favorite all-time passages in all the Bible. And uh, I did a little uh, uh, computer search, and I put in First John chapter 13. And it looks at my hard drive. And anything I've ever written on 1 John chapter 13 comes up. I can say to you, I preached on John 13 three times in my preaching career, uh, which spans, uh, I think, wow, 23 years. Not bad. Uh, so I preached on this text three times. Uh, if you've heard me preach uh, for the last decade or so, I often use this as an illustration. And every time I read through the Bible and look at this passage, it gets me right here. Um, I was reading through it again uh, last week, 
and it just got me. But a different aspect of it got me because you guys know the stories fairly well. You grew up in the church, many of you, and you know where I'm going to head um, in this text. And that is I'm going to call you with a heart of humility, with privilege in your heart, with a great sense of honor to wash feet and become the least so that you would be great in the eyes of God, to give your life so that you would be able to find it uh, and to uh, really be great um, in God's eyes as you make yourself lower and lower. Um, and I'm going there. I'm going to say that again. Uh, but what I really want to do is to uh, address the question of how we are able to do this because I think there are a couple of verses here which are remarkable. Uh, I don't think Jesus had an easy time doing this. I think it was hard for Jesus. The cross was difficult for Jesus because this is a, a symbolic representation of what he would do and this is precisely why he tells uh, his his coterie of followers, you don't know what I'm doing but you will know what I'm about to do and that is go to the cross it was not easy for jesus but he had courage and he followed through and the question is how was he able to do that so that's where we are going to spend the bulk of our time but before we get there let me look at some of the theological points of this passage to set the context as you know uh, the new testament opens up with four gospels and they all have different emphases i would say one of the unique things about the gospel of john is the humanity of jesus is not really underlined all that much what is underlined instead is his divinity that's why right in the beginning of the gospel of john he is the incarnate word the word who was always there the word uh, through whom um, all things were created and this is why even when Jesus faces um, his opponents and he simply says the word I am, um, everyone falls to the ground. Why would the people fall to the ground? Because Jesus is giving the name of God, thereby underlining and showing his power. And even when he dies, he just simply doesn't die. He allows himself to die because this is the only gospel in which it is recorded that he breathed out his last breath, signifying he will die when he wants to die. Uh, everything is intentional. Everything that is underlined is about the divinity and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is why when we come to chapter 13 of the Gospel of John, the humility of Christ is a great contrast, and it is powerful, and it is moving. And this is why it gets me every time, because on the one hand, you have the exalted, glorified Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and on the other hand, you have a humble servant. So, at the time of the uh, Passover, Jesus finally knows, as this context says, that his time to depart the world has come. And having loved all those who are in the world, namely his apostles, during supper, he knew what he needed to do. And what he decided to do was to take off his outer garment, tie a towel around his waist, and do something that uh, perhaps even slaves would not do. And what does he do? He begins to wash dirty feet. And he washes these dirty feet even though he is the incarnate word. He washes feet even though he is the brilliant word of God uh, who has come to deliver humanity from their death. So he stoops low and he begins to wash feet. Now when you look at this passage from the perspective of language and you're a very astute reader, then it even comes out in English. 
Jesus lays aside his garments and he takes a towel and puts it around his waist, which is a verbal echo. It is very clear in Greek. It's even decently clear in English. What Jesus is doing here is showing that he is the good shepherd. And who is the good shepherd? The good shepherd is the one who knows his sheep. And the good shepherd is the one who lays down his life. And the good shepherd is the one who takes it back up in the resurrection. And that verbal echo is surely there to show that what this passage is really speaking about is the death and resurrection of Jesus upon the cross. This is why it says in John chapter 10 these words, I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay my life down for this sheep just as he laid out his um, outer garment. I have sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them also. And they too will hear my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason the Father loves me is I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up. This command I receive from my Father. Time and time again, I'm laying down. I'm taking up. I'm laying down. I'm taking up, I'm laying off my garments, taking up this towel, I'm going to wash feet, and I want everyone to know exactly why I am doing this. I am doing this because I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd knows certain things about the sheep. The good shepherd knows exactly what the sheep needs, and what the sheep need is a humble king a humble Savior who will become the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and it will only happen by the humility of Christ our Lord. That is why he washes feet. That is why he goes to the cross. There is simply no other way that we would be saved. There is no other way that there would be forgiveness. So brothers and sisters, we have what we need the most. The forgiveness of our sins and a relationship with our good shepherd because Jesus is our humble king who washed our feet and was crucified on our behalf, naked and bruised, rejected by man and God upon the cross. Now the application is very straightforward. Jesus has done this for, for all you here. Go and do likewise. You're not greater than your teacher. You're certainly not greater than the Lord Jesus himself. So if you want to know this evening what God is calling all of us to do, it is really um, to wash people's feet. So what does God want you to do at Good News Church? Well, he wants you to wash feet. What does God want you to do here in New York City? Uh, so if someone asks you, why did you move to New York City? Well, on the one hand, I came here because I had a job offering at Google. But really, I am here because I'm a foot washer. I have come to wash the feet of urbanites here in New York. And that would be a beautiful theological reflection upon this text and a true mission that God gives to the church. And I also want to tie this little uh, perspective in. Um, if you want to be a leader, uh, what is a leader? A leader is a foot washer. It really is. Now, if you look at the list of characteristics of elders and deacons and you distill everything, you'll probably come up with about 20 things that the Apostle Paul says and Peter says in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, and 1 Peter. And again, if you distill all of that, what does it really amount to? 
it amounts to a person's character, not about giftedness. There's only two gifts that are mentioned. You have to be able to rule, and you have to be able to teach if you're an elder. And apart from that, the other 18 elements or so are all about the quality of a person's heart. And what should that quality of heart be? That quality of heart should be not one that rules like the Gentiles or the world, but one that rules like Christ. And how does Christ rule? He rules by washing people's feet. Let me give you another perspective. You know, we live in a very competitive society, and someone once said, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. And that is sort of true. If you can make it here, you'll probably make it in other places too. Um, now, that's a very scary thing to say because uh, that requires competition. It requires great ability. It requires that certain people will lose and certain people will win. But I think Christianity turns everything upside down. Everyone can't win in a sense, Christianity says, and the world says that too. But Christianity goes on to say, well, only in a sense everyone can't win. But Christianity says everyone can certainly lose. Everyone can certainly wash feet. Everyone can make themselves lower. Everyone can consider the needs of others more than their own needs. Everyone can go out of their comfort zone and in enter into the comfort zone of another person and love them. And if you do that, then you've, in a sense, lost. Because it's not about you, it's about other people. So if everyone can lose, and that is the calling of God, then from another perspective, everyone in Christianity can win. Why? Because you can always go lower. You can always serve. You can always care for people more than you would ever dare consider your own life. And if you do that, what does it mean? It means in God's economy of things, you've really won. Why? Because the greatest is the servant of all. We find our lives only insofar as we lose it. And the way we experience the power of the resurrection is only when we die. And therefore, service is that pathway. Washing feet is that pathway to become great in the eyes of God. And therefore, I'm here to tell you this evening, everyone here can win. And I'm not giving you a feel-good talk no, I'm saying every single person in this room can win. And you can win because you can serve. You can win because you can lower yourself. You can win because you can wash feet. You can win because you can embrace the theology of the cross. And that is truly what it means to win. And that is truly what it means um, to experience uh, joy and pleasure. Why? Because if you live that kind of life, you will be indispensable in any community. If you live that kind of life, you will see flourishing in others. And when you realize that you have a hand in that flourishing, you will have an incredible joy. And when you see that, what's, what's going to happen is people are going to say, hey, you know, move on up. And that's Jesus' parable about taking the lowest seat in the banquet. Because if you take the lowest seat in the banquet, people will say, move on up, and there will be un expected honor friends it's not about giftedness right churches uh, will thrive not when there is giftedness churches will thrive when there is a heart to serve and we uh, as a culture love to wash people's feet the growth will probably be a little bit slower because the world looks at giftedness and is attracted to that but in the end what will win out 
is a heart of humility. What will win out is a heart that loves to wash people's feet simply because God is the one who opposes the proud but gives incredible grace to the humble. And we're able to do this because God has done it for us. It's not one of merely imitation. No, if God has done that for us, we've participated in a foot-washing ceremony, and it was no one less than the Lord Jesus Christ who took off his outer garment, tied a towel around his waist, and he washed your feet. And that was your conversion. He washed your feet. And if you understand that, you've participated in it, and because of that, you can do it. Now, here's what I said in the beginning. We're going to really meditate on how we can do this. Now, how can we do this? Now, some of you might be thinking, well, Jesus is God. And because he is God, everything must have come very easily to Jesus. That's not so. If you look at the book of Hebrews, uh, it was not easy for Jesus. In fact, it was harder for him than any of us. Uh, that's why at the Garden of Gethsemane, um, he didn't shed crocodile tears. No, he was really crying out to God. And if we can have a little um, glimpse into the Garden of Gethsemane, we would see a man in anguish and a man almost crushed by anxiety like no other person on the face of this earth because he knows exactly what will take place. And this is why Luke's gospel said when Jesus was at the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed so hard that drops of blood came from the pore of his skin. I mean, I don't think anyone prayed that diligently and with that much urgency and passion than Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane. The cross would not be easy for Jesus. Not at all, even though he is God. So how was Jesus able to do this. I think John chapter 10 and John chapter 13 both give us these answers. If you look at this passage, uh, what does um, Jesus say? During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son to betray him, and here it is, Jesus, nice participle, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and he had come from God, and he was going to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. So right before he rose and took off his outer garment and tied a towel around his waist, Jesus had a short time of meditation. What did Jesus think about that gave him the strength to wash people's feet and embrace the cross? Jesus knew three things. He knew that the Father had given all things into his hand. He knew that he had come from God, and he knew that he was going back to God. You know, that's exactly what um, John chapter 10 says. Uh, the Father knows me. I know the Father. And all throughout the Gospel of John, the Father knows the Son, and the Son knows the Father. And the Son knows from where he has come and to where he is going. The Son knows his authority. And he meditates on that. And in the most difficult times of his life, he thinks about that. And there is strength. And there is security. 
And then, and only then, does he rise and begin to wash people's feet. I think Jesus was able to do what he did because he knew his authority. Jesus knew from where he came. He was persuaded of that fact. And he knew to where he was going. You see, brothers and sisters, I think we can only live this life that Jesus calls us to live if we know these things as well. What do we need to know? We need to know our authority. And we need to know that uh, through union with Christ, we sit in the heavenly realms, and just as all things are under the feet of Christ, all things are under our feet as well. We need to realize the words of the book of Ephesians that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing and therefore we actually don't have any ultimate needs outstanding because they are ours already through the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to realize that we're not just mere conquerors. We are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. And the great covenant that found in old is now completed in the new, and therefore we are the very people of God, and we are able to call God Father, and God is able to call us the very children of God. And when we realize that, got nothing to prove. When you realize that, you don't need to struggle to gain more because your hands and your heart and your mind is already full. There's security, friends. And from where do we come? We have come from God himself. He is our creator. And more importantly, he is our redeemer. He is truly our father. Theologians sometimes say that the pinnacle of the blessings of God uh, is this. At the high point of the blessing of God, what is it? We are sons and daughters of God. So, from where have we come? We've come from God by way of creation and redemption. That's who we are. We are the sons and daughters of God. And I, I interact with a lot of children, and some children are more confident than other children, and part of their confidence stems from the fact that they come from uh, a very honorable and veritable lineage their parents are billionaires and uh, famous people littered in their family, they might have a sense of, this is who I am. Of course, it's false security, worldly security, but there is an insight there, and that insight is we are the sons and daughters of God. If anyone should be secure, it is the believer in Jesus Christ. You know what that also means, guys? Jesus is our big brother. Imagine having a big brother who is like an ultimate guy in the world. Jesus is our big brother. What do we have to lack? And if you look at the, the perfect trifecta here, what's the last element? The last element is uh, Jesus knows where he's going and we all know where we're headed to. Because we are headed to think something unseen, and that is to be with the Lord forevermore. And I pray that the reality of heaven and things unseen 
become more real to you than the very things that you're able to see with your own eyes. And if you realize these things, what will happen naturally is you will become a very secure person. Why? Because you know your authority. You know that you are blessed. You know from where you have come and you know to where you are going. And the outcome of that would not be one of a tyrannical rule over people's lives because that's not the spirit of Christ. What will happen is a heart of service, a heart of humility. Now, I'm preaching this sermon to a the Good News Church, and I could have preached on a lot of different things. You know, I only got two times left this time and one more time, um, officially. Um, but I still wanted to preach on this sermon for a couple of reasons. One reason is I think Good News is a very, very special church. But I think uh, God is teaching you this lesson without you even knowing. I think Good News is becoming a very secure church. I think your leaders are secure people. It's not about the exterior, it's about the interior. Continue. Keep pressing on in that way, and then we're really being like Christ. And if we're really being like Christ, blessing is only around the corner. It will inevitably happen. Why? Because you're really walking the footsteps of Christ and you are able to do this only insofar as you know your identity in Christ. And you know what's going to happen, right? When we realize this more and more and we live in this more and more, you will become some of the most winsome people on earth. Right? You will become some of the most winsome people in New York City. You will be some of the more most pleasurable people to spend time with because you are so secure. You will be incredibly attractive and people will want to befriend you because you're not seeking to get anything from them. You don't have an agenda. What you want to do is to serve them. You want to listen to them. You want to bless them because that is what God has done for you. And in that context, more and more doors will open. Uh, so Good News Church, my message is a very simple one, especially because uh, you know this text so much. Uh, know your authority. Know that you're blessed. Know from where you have come. Meditate on that and know where you are going. And by way of application, take off that outer garment. Tie the towel around your waist and begin to and continue to serve. And as you do that, you will see, um, I believe, God's blessing uh, really flood into uh, your lives and uh, into Good News Church. You can always do that, guys. Everyone can win. Let's bow our heads in prayer as the worship team comes to lead us in a song of response.